Welcome to Actuaries in the Wild podcast. I started this podcast because I believe actuaries are more than just your stereotypical number cruncher that sits at a computer all day. Many of us have endeavors that go beyond the traditional actuarial realm. My goal is to meet those actuaries who have ventured from their desks to explore their passions. It's time to meet the actuaries in the wild. Today's actuary in the wild is Ari Bly. Welcome, Ari. Thank you, Jeremy. It's great to be here. Uh, Ari, I want to start by finding out a little bit more information about your background. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, including what made you decide to become an actuary. Awesome. Um, so I, uh, I was born and raised and moved around a lot. I've lived in probably six different states before I even graduated high school, um, but I call Wyoming home. Okay. Um, and... It, on my way off to college, that was kind of the first time that I heard about the actuarial career. Mm -hmm. I did my, my parents were, one was an English professor and the other was a nurse um, slash librarian. <laughs> so um, it was not something that was on the radar until a college colleague of my dad's happened to come out and talk to me in senior year of high school and said, Hey, I saw your scores in the SAT or whatever it was that I had, I had taken one of the standardized exams and she came out with a list of of careers that might right. suit a numbers person and uh i jumped right on the first one on the list probably <laughs> and said well that looks <laughs> yeah. interesting i'll start there and see what happens um so yes yeah so i ended up going to a liberal arts school got the um math and accounting background and then got a statistics um uh, masters at a different school and combine that to create a really solid base for the, the actuarial field. So. so you were an actuary. Uh, you mentioned to me when we talked before for 25 years. Tell me yeah. a little bit about what you did during your during your actuarial career. Yeah, so I moved. Um, I started out at Cigna, um, which has a wonderful rotation program for all of their actuaries. So I got a flavor of the pricing side, the financial reporting side, much of the health side, a little bit of the retirement side, some of the uh, reinsurance side, some of the international piece. So it was really great to kind of be at a buffet where I could sample right. all the things that were going on as I was working through the exams. Um, and then I could jump into kind of fine tuning what I wanted to be doing. Um, and then I was led uh, to move out to Colorado here where I worked for Great West um, in healthcare. And I decided that consulting looked really interesting at that point. Right. So I spent a little time with Milliman um, and even spent a few years in Brazil while I was working for them um, and then came back, helped uh, with an integration of Cigna and Great West and then moved back to consulting because I kind of missed mm -hmm. that lifestyle yeah. and spent the last almost 10 years um, in a healthcare consulting role with Wakely Consulting. So okay. kind of moved around a bit, but it was all kind of following what was really interesting and, and what was um, engaging me at that point. I see. So uh, as I mentioned, you were an actuary for 25 years, but then you left the field and you became a life coach. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your journey, how you evolved from a traditional actuary uh, and the work that you did as an actuary to what you're doing now as a life coach. Yeah, I think it kind of uh, evolved more than uh, was, you know, a big flash of lightning. Right. And and um, 
I think I got to a point where I started paying a little bit more attention to what was engaging me. I've like a couple of years in probably six or seven years into my career with Wakely. Um, I was just kind of feeling like there's got to be a little bit more. Like I wasn't um, as excited about all the the client work that we were doing. I still enjoyed it. I still love the challenge. Yeah. Um, but I felt like there was a little bit of something missing. And I started really paying attention to um, what was engaging me during the days and what was energizing me and and looked for the patterns in in what that was telling me. And what it was telling me was that I really was starting to enjoy working with the people and helping others to develop um, their skills and their and their um, ability to be better at what they're doing. And it was less on the technical side. Right. So I experimented a little bit. I, I got in and, and helped our HR teams um, a little bit with some trainings and with working with some teams and helping people be, um, you know, better mentors to, to others. I also... Um, got certified as a coach um, officially at that point so that I would you know, actually raise love to learn something, right? right. We're, yes. we're gluttons for punishment and for, for taking on new um, you know, uh, exams. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just do this training um, and see what else I can learn. Um, so that gave me a good background for kind of understanding the nuances of what it means to be a coach and how to use those skills to improve um, other people's kind of perspectives, mindsets, and approach to what they're doing. Talk about, you mentioned you became certified as a coach. Talk a little bit about the process and how you became certified uh, as a coach and how, how one goes about doing that. Um, there are a lot of ways you can go about it. Uh, I opted for an online program. Um, so it was live, okay. but, um, you know, over the course of probably, I think, three months um, of regular classes, coursework, reading, um, live practicing. Um, so it was really trying to get you to understand some of the theory behind, you know, how coaches operate because they're right. different than mentors. They're different than therapists. They're different than kind of, you know, but, but kind of in the same realm of all these allies that you can have to help um, help you in your careers and in your life. Um, so it was, for me, it was a online program. Um, and then it was just starting to, to get some practice and, um, you know, testing out those new skills. Right. So you started a company called Alignment Ally in 2020. Uh, tell our viewers about what Alignment Ally is and why you named the company that. So Alignment Ally is, um, is my solopreneur business right now. It encompasses the coaching that I do. It encompasses the speaking, the workshops and the keynotes that I do. Um, so it's a, a platform for me to kind of house everything that I that I am working on now. It's a place where I can um, write and do some blogging. Um, the alignment piece, as I went through the process of really understanding who I was and who I had evolved to be, I really recognized that we are not one-dimensional individuals. You know, we are more than what we are trained to do. We are a compilation of that with our natural strengths and with our core values and with our personalities. And when we can understand how to align all of those pieces, 
we can figure out how to navigate our own futures and careers and lives a little more effectively. So the alignment piece is really in recognizing that we've got all of these pieces that we're trying to put in some semblance of order so that we can we can go where we want to go. We can lean into the pieces that we really want to be um, emphasizing and we can choose more deliberately how we want to kind of show up in the world. So I know that, um, you know, you, you said you kind of evolved this, uh, like you were in the actuarial field 25 years, and you kind of evolved this late in that actual career. You know, I'm, I'm kind of on a journey myself too, where I, you know, I'm still working in the actuarial field, but I'm starting to evolve and doing other things too. Uh, you know, not necessarily as a life coach, but getting, getting involved more into, to other things in, in the social media realm and communication realm, uh, which, you know, I don't know how many other actuaries are out there. You know, I, I talked with last week with, uh, Dominic Lee, who's also, yeah. you know, get, getting in the social media realm. And I'm sure there's some other actuaries out there too. Uh, but not just that, that there's actuaries there that might want to do different things beyond just what is in the traditional actuarial realm, realm. So how can actuaries find alignment like this in their career? Uh, it, it starts, and, and this is where I started too, it starts with gathering the facts. It starts with recognizing and becoming aware of what it is you really enjoy, um, right. you know, a lot of times in my career, it, you know, it's probably the case for a lot of people is you're measured on a checklist of skills that you need to be doing at this level. And in order to move to the next level, you've got skills, whether they're right. management related skills or technical skills or, or soft skills. They're all things that we're trying to check the box. And we tend to lose sight of some of the other things that, that really energize us, the pieces that, you know, whether it's the social media presence or whether it's, um, you know, sports or whether it's helping other people or whatever it is that, that you can help get your energy up for, that'll help you in the rest of your career as well. So it's, it's becoming aware of those other dimensions of who you are today because it changes. Um, right. You know, I think at the beginning of my career, there's no way I could have been a good coach because I didn't have the perspective. I didn't have the experience. Um, and eventually I think I got to the point where I realized that I had all that now and I could help people in a different way um, than I was in my prior career. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know, I, I know when I look back on my career early, early in my career, of course, a lot of it too was, that you know, I was doing something to support my family, and uh, also I was busy with exams, and so that was something that was really a big focus. And now, you know, my my families are older, and I'm done with my exams, so you know, I'm, I'm looking at other things. And and not that the, these things that I'm doing now weren't passions of mine earlier. It's just now I I may they're they're kind of evolving and, and being kind of I would say moving up in terms of what what I'm enjoying. Um, you, you, as I said, you named your company Alignment Ally, and so we talked a little bit about alignment. Uh, but talk a little bit more about the ally part of it and why it's important for us to have allies in our career. Oh, um, <laughs> if we've looked at any point at an epidemic of burnout and overwhelm and trying to do too much and be too much, and you know, we are at a point where we are trained to think that it's all on our shoulders mm -hmm. and it really isn't 
Um, so allies in the broader sense are the people that are helping you through it, whether it's an official um, mentor, coach, um, therapist, whatever it is, or if it's just your partner on a project at work, like those are the people that when we can see the value that it that we can get from working together with others, the allies are the are the roles that really help us excel in the areas that we want to, and we can in turn help them excel in the areas that they may want to. So allyship, <clears throat> I guess I would say allyship with a small A, because I know the whole DEI allies is another world out there, but um, knowing that it's not up to us. Now, unfortunately, actuaries beginning of our career are very much, you cannot have a friend take the actuarial right. exams with you, yeah. right? <laughs> so right. it gets ingrained in us that this is you and your career is all based on what you are achieving. And it takes a while to realize, I, I had a hard time, you know, asking for help and kind of looking for, for ways that, that people could fill in some of the gaps um, that I had, you know, so recognizing that allies are there for the good and you can both be an ally and have an ally um, in order to improve your own um, path and your own ability to be more sustainable in your success. And, so. and, and you talked a little bit about, you know, we, we tend to work on what our skills and, and as actuaries, you know, we have those skills, we have those analytical skills and, and a lot of times when we move, move to our passions, those might be things that aren't necessarily our strengths and, and really, you know, we need to seek those allies to help us where it, others might have those strengths. Um, so we're good at math. Mm -hmm. And so we might gravitate, gravitate towards that analytical work. Um, do you think that kind of scares people off and they, and a lot of actuaries don't want to explore those non-analytical pursuits because they aren't strengths? Um, and so they tend to stick to the analytical because that's what they're good at? Um, it, it definitely can be. Um, now, I also believe very wholeheartedly that, you know, we aren't mono strength individuals either. Right. You know, if, if, if you've ever done Strengths Finder, you know, they have categorized 34 different strengths, but, you know, they, they will give you the top five. And then if you take a more in-depth analysis, they'll give you all of them. But um, analytics and analysis is kind of what tends to float to the top for a lot of actuaries, because the way that our our brains work is, is looking for those patterns and gathering the data and making sense of what's in front of us. But that kind of skill can be applied in a lot of different ways. Um, so even though um, you know we're good at that, I would even say that I use that skill in coaching. So I once I listen very carefully to all the facts that are going on, I can see the patterns and go, wait a minute, did you recognize that this is going on? And that, you know, finding the insights in a different kind of data can help, um, you know, use those same skills. Um, but on the flip side, also, if you look at actuaries and, you know, in the, the work that I've done with StrengthsFinder and with teams that have taken it, um, yes, anal analytical skills often is in the top five, but the other ones are such a varied mix, you know, of relationship ones and strategic thinking ones and execution pieces. 
And once you start to recognize that, you know, there are millions of permutations of how your strengths can show up, you really are fairly unique in, in what you have to offer. So it's, it's trying to figure out how do you want to show up with those strengths and align those up with your passions. So if your passion is in, you know, the sports world, you can use that analytical side to, right. to dig into the numbers, or you can, you know, look for other ways that you can use some of your other skills and, and strengths. So one of the things I've, I've heard you mention is that sometimes the reason why us as actuaries don't move beyond that is because there's fear in the unknown. And, and I've heard you talk about the four F's and, and fear being one of those. <laughs> can, can you talk a little bit more about the four F's and how they fit in with alignment? Yeah. So the four F's was a concept that I kind of came up with again, as I was understanding my own situation. And when I started to think about, okay, where, what is slowing me down? I found that fear was a huge piece where um, it was fear of, you know, not knowing what I needed to know, fear of, um, you know, kind of not having the skills that I needed in order to do the next thing. Um, but there's also fear of success, fear of failure, fear of um, all of these things that can slow us down. But but there are ways to learn to get past that. Um, the friction were some of those things that slowed me down that kept coming back and coming back and coming back. It's like, OK, there's got to be more to it if it's a recurring theme of this is slowing you down. And when I took a step back, for example, one of the things that that I could feel where I was always slowed down was in um, competitive situations, which is kind of ironic, you know, but I'm not a super competitive person. I'm a much more collaborative person. So when I was forced, you know, or asked to be in situations where it's like, like, we have to win this contract or we have to do right. this, that was causing a little bit of friction. It's like, okay, well, isn't there a way that we can find a solution that will, you know, work for everybody or, you know, does it have to be win-lose? What can be win-win? And, um, and when I started realizing, you know, that that was just friction because it goes against who I am, it goes against my core values, or it goes against how I want to show up in the world, then I could say, okay, is there a way that I can approach this so that I can minimize the friction, you know, either perspective of, of what I'm approaching or mindset around, you know, getting into a different frame of reference. Um, so separating kind of the things that were slowing us down, those are the two Fs of the, the fear and the friction, um, where fears are things you can tend to get by fairly quickly. Um, frictions are just, they're more uh, opposing the core elements of yourself. Yeah. Um, the other two Fs are more um, on the positive side. So the uh, the third F was flow. And that's a state that I'm sure a lot of people get into where you just kind of lose track of time. You're right. yes. in your element and you're really, it's a challenge, but it's, it's easy to kind of get involved in because it's just the right amount of challenge and it's interesting and you've got, you know, excitement about why you're doing it. Um, so when we can get into those flow states, um, we can be so much more productive. And there's some great studies on, um, you know, how much more productive, like you can get five times as much 
done in those flow states than you can when you're um, just kind of doing it, you know, without being in flow. Um, so there's a lot of value to kind of recognizing how to get into flow. Um, and it does tie into some of that friction. Like you're, you're not going to get into flow if you're out of your right. values. Um, and then the, the fourth F is fun. And that's just something that, you know, that adds the color to what you're doing. It yeah. adds, it adds excitement to, you know, your day. If you can listen to the right music, or if you can be with the, you know, somebody that you enjoy spending your time, that'll make you laugh that whatever it is, um, or if you can get outside and, and, you know, go for a hike, because that really is where you find your fun. So um, those are four elements of, you know, what I call my alignment landscape. If I know where my fears are and where my friction is and where I want to chase, you know, chase that flow and, and how I can figure in fun, um, that kind of gives me a framework for, for modeling out how I want to move forward on my next challenge and, and what I need to look out for and what I want to, to uh, shoot for. I, I think what you say is so true because I think about the things that I'm working on and, and even when there's times where I'm like, this, this is a lot of work that I'm doing, but I'm having fun doing it. Uh, or, right. or there's things where I think, oh, this is, this is work that I'm doing, but you know, I, I, I have those things where I enter my mind, oh, should I be doing this? And, and then it's like that fear starts into my mind and I go back and I think about, okay, why am I doing this? And, and it's, and, and I think I, I have these goals I want to meet and, and I start to say, okay, stop, stop with that fear because you, you want to do this. I mean, I'll just say the example of this podcast that I'm doing, you know, this is something new. This is your, your episode two here. And, mm-hmm. and there's times where I've had these little things is, should I be doing this? I have all these other things going on in my life. I'm busy. <laughs> and, and so, but the, so every once in a while I'll have this little thing of fear saying, oh, I have these other things going on. Should I be spending this extra time? But, you know, I think about, you know, reasons why I want to do this. And, and part of it is this collaborative thing. It's, it's this helping other people. It's, it's things I want to, to, for, for me to be able to, 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 build my social media presence to be able to, to communicate better. And so it's, and then there's the fun part of it. I, I like that, that fun part of it too, meeting people, but it, it's all of that, you know, when that fear enters my mind, I just tell myself, take that fear away. There's reasons why I want to do this. And so it's so true that mm-hmm. you've got to get past that fear and those things. It's not like that fear is not going to be there. It's just, right. how do you overcome that fear? Uh, right. That, yeah. Right. And I love what you said that, um, you know, it's, it's not about making it easy. It's about right. choosing the hard that you want to face and knowing why you're choosing it and knowing how well you equipped you are to have the energy to do it and to, right. you know, to, to learn the skills that you need to get through it. But it's about choosing the hard that you want to face. Right. So I'm, I have a, a couple other questions that are a little, little bit related, but uh, I, I know uh, I kind of want to change it up a little bit. Um, one of them I've heard in some of your talks that, that you've done, um, you've used the term work-life harmony instead of work-life balance. Uh, why is the term harmony preferred over balance? For me, um, when I think about balance, there's a, there's a space between the two and the reality, at least in my own life is there is no space between work and home. And, and, and I'm glad there's not because I'm the same person 
whether I'm doing my work or whether I'm doing what's needed for my family. Um, so it really is about kind of figuring out how to, um, and to take one step back, the other thing that's true about, you know, all those elements of our life is we need energy. We need to right. be able to kind of um, feed ourselves and our soul while we're going through these. So the work-life harmony is really about saying, okay, how can what I do in my life when I'm not away from work, bring me energy for what I need to be doing at work and vice versa? How can I be finding things to do at work that energize me so that when I come back and I'm facing the challenges of, you know, kids and aging parents, you know, that I can um, get through that too. So it's really about saying, okay, it's, it's one big mechanism. It's one big machine that we're a part of here is, is navigating through all those components. So it's about bringing the harmony to it, as opposed to kind of that strict, you know, leaning one way or the other, or, or keeping them separate. Yeah, I, I saw something on LinkedIn last week, where they, they said that people who have, I, I can't remember exactly what they called them. It was like side gigs or things like that. They right. tend to be more productive at work. And, that, and of course, there were some people that went on there and they argued about it. They said they disagreed. They didn't like it when people who had other things they were doing besides their job, that they weren't dedicated to their job. But I agree with it so much. I, I feel like when I have these things that I'm passionate about that I'm doing outside of my job, I'm more productive when I'm at my job. I'm, I'm, when I'm working, I'm 100% dedicated to my job. But right. that doesn't mean that you know, when I'm not working, that there's not other passions that I have, but it energizes me to when I'm going to work the next day to, to really, you know, face that and face it head on and really do my best work that day. Because one of the things I'm thinking about, okay, here are the things that, that I'm really excited about doing after work. And so I, I can really be energized to get through the day too. And, and so yeah. I, I think it's so true that, you know, the, the energy that you get from all these other things you do with your passion really help energize you on your job. And then, and then that energy continues to feed you. And, and, and so I, I agree so much with the work-life harmony over, life, over the work-life balance. I really love that term. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it, you can find more creativity. I know actuaries aren't known for creativity, but right. in every coding challenge that we have, you've got to think creative, you know, creatively. You've got to think outside the box to come up with the bigger and bigger challenges that we're facing. And when you can have those side hustles or those pursuits outside of just the work, you expand your perspective a little bit more and you might see something or hear something that kind of clicks and goes, wait a minute, maybe I could try that or apply something like that in my work as well. So again, that's part of that harmony where it's like, don't separate them, but let right. them kind of flow together. Yeah. For example, one of the things that I did on my job is we have a, uh, which is not actuarial. We, we have a, uh, employee giving campaign for charities. And I did interviews mm -hmm. with three different organizations uh, to help promote those organizations for people to do donate money to. And so that's something that I did this year. And so yeah. I'm taking some of the stuff that I'm doing off the job and I applied it to something uh, within the job. So it, it's something, you know, we can start to apply on, on the job. And, and, and I'm looking for other opportunities within within my job too, to 
to expand the communications effort that I that I have here too. So there's definitely opportunities. Absolutely. So I, I, another topic I just wanted to bring up, uh, you did a TEDx talk. Uh, can you yes. talk a little bit about that process and your experience with it? Yeah. Um, so the TEDx talk was something um, that I was scared to death to do yeah. <laughs> talking about Back fears. Fear. Was, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyone who knew me probably even five years ago would be like, there is no way this woman is going <laughs> to stand on a stage voluntarily. Yeah. Um, but it, it, kind of came up where I knew that in my business, I wanted to be doing more speaking and I want, you know, in the keynote realm as well as workshops and and whatnot. And so it dawned on me, I'm like, okay, what could I do that would a give me um, a trial by fire um, experience of, can I even do this? And B, it might be fun. Who knows? You know, I love watching them. So I was like, I don't know, maybe I can do it. Um, so I went in fully with no expectations, um, but the process requires that you kind of come up with your idea that okay. you want to pitch. Um, so because TEDx is the independently um, organized TED events, basically. So there's, okay. you know, smaller events, there's hundreds of them throughout the country and even internationally. Um, so each one has its own individual or panel of people that are choosing the speakers. So it's an application process to kind of go in and say, here's um, three main things. One, this is my idea. This is why I'm the right person to talk about it. And this is what your audience will get from this talk. So, um, you know, they, the event organizers are trying to curate a great day or a great evening or whatever time frame they're, they're fitting in by putting um, the right people with the right stories and the right um, talks together to kind of create um, an, a really entertaining evening or time around a certain theme. So okay. um, it helps to know what the theme is that the TEDx that you're applying to is going for so that you can kind of weave that into um, to your talk. So anyway, I I landed the talk on about my 20th um, application that was sent out so it takes a while to kind of hit the mark and Mm -hmm. you're like okay who knows yeah I think some I've known some people who've sent out 100 before they they land one and some people that land them in on their fifth so um it just is a matter of fishing basically to figure out which one is going to really resonate you know your idea with their theme um and and then um from there it is a whirlwind of creating the talk, practicing the talk, um, because it's very different than um, doing a workshop where you're interacting. It's it's truly right. a performance of you know standing up there and, and being able to give your idea to um, the people in the room. Um, luckily, I did do it in person, um, which I think I was more scared of trying to create a video of it than doing it in person, um, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, it's, it was one of those, okay, this is something I'm absolutely scared of, but if I want to do this more for my business, I should probably figure out how to get over that fear. Right. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. The, the, the part that's really interesting is that you said it took you 20 times to, 
to to get it. I mean, there's a lot of people that would have given up after two or three times, uh, and right. not, not even tried anymore. So that 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 takes right. a lot of perseverance to do that. Well, yeah. Ari, I, I really appreciate uh, this time. Uh, can you uh, tell our viewers a little bit more about where they can find information about you? Absolutely. Um, if you're looking, I, I end up now I have two websites. If you're looking for like workshops and keynotes and all the speaking side, the best information is at arebly.com, A-R-E-E-B-L-Y.com. Um, but I also have the alignmentally.com uh, website, which has um, blog. And if you're interested in coaching or just connecting with me, there's ways to, to, to find me there as well. So um, those are the websites, but I, I'm honestly, I'm very active on LinkedIn and I love it when right. people reach out and connect and just have conversations. I love to learn um, what people are through and um, hear other stories besides mine, because I think every actuary's career that I've run across has been very, very different, which is kind of fun to hear. Well, thank you, Ari, for being my guest on Actuaries in the Wild and really interested in your story and really appreciate you sharing it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you. If you're an actuary, you know an actuary who's ventured into the wild, contact me so we can share your story. You can find Actuaries in the Wild on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on our second episode and see you next time on Actuaries in the Wild. <laughs>